All right, hello, welcome back to Tech Out Loud, and this is our first live, no, it's not live, but we're, we're sitting across from each we're other. We're sitting across <laughs> from each other, and this is great. And or awkward, I can't decide <laughs> my, which one. My co-host, Abby Fouch, and it's kind of weird because, yeah, I, I we haven't done this, and I don't know how to react to this. <laughs> yeah, do I stare you in <laughs> the eyes, start? or like, <laughs> usually I'm just like rolling my just eyes at you, and you talking. don't know, so <laughs> the fact that you can see me look directly at you is yeah. <laughs> maybe unfortunate. Um, and we're in like a big open room, so if there's any reverb or sound, sorry, but this is what we have to do with, because... I want to. <laughs> Abby made different suggestions, but I was just too lazy. <laughs> I know audio quality. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're in blue, beautiful Playa de Carmen, Mexico, and um, I, we have not done a podcast in a while, and we just thought it was the perfect time to talk about what we're currently doing, which is traveling. Um, if we want to go into the specifics of traveling during the pandemic, but also, I don't know if we want to go that route, or just talking about digital nomading, I guess. I don't think we did that episode like this yet, right? No, I feel like we've talked time. about remote year a little bit, so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's such a big part of our lives that I think is going to be in a lot of episodes in a way, but um, maybe we can get more into the specifics of, like, how to choose where to go or just, I don't know, I guess like I'm entering a new phase of digital nomading that I haven't been in before that I actually think it's thrown me like a bigger curveball than I anticipated it would. Um, like doing our remote year program is so scheduled out and like we knew exactly where we were going to go at all times. Whereas now like the world is literally your oyster kind of like COVID's like stopped that somewhat, but I can go pretty much anywhere I want. Again, COVID's a little bit of a curveball, but no timeline. I can stay there as long as I want visa issues. I know I'm getting myself into a fucking like roundabout here of saying shit, but you know, you can choose where you go. You can choose where to fly out of. You can choose how long you want to stay within reason. And it's tricky. It's difficult. I didn't realize it'd be this hard to make these decisions and plan around it. Yeah. I think, so if, I think what she's mostly talking about is FEIE. Um, she was trying to, and I am trying to, um, if you're out of the country for uh, 330 days? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, need, you can only be in the country 35 days. So I 31 days. It's 35. Oh, uh, 35. Okay, so yeah, if you're not in the country for as long as 35 days throughout a whole rolling year, it doesn't matter if you go in May to May or August to August or just a whole calendar year. Um, you that money that you made during that block of time is uh you don't have to pay federal taxes on or you get a big refund if you have a salary job um and it's pretty sweet especially when you're working in tech or just overall marketing and yeah you so you save money on cheaper apartments if you can um and that's something i wanted to go on um like just talking about finances within digital nomading because i think it's a lot of people think traveling is very expensive and it can somewhat be for people that don't make much money but it i don't think it's such a big hurdle to bypass if you're like live compared to like living in la where like i'm from and you're already paying 1500 or 1800 minimum 
for a one bedroom apartment? Yeah, I think it varies. Like, I think we're kind of spoiled nomads in a way. Like, you know, you make a really good salary or income, whatever you want to call it. I'd say make like average, you know, about 70K ish. And so, um, I don't make a ton of money, but I am pretty particular on where I spend money. And so I do think, you know, in this current apartment, we're spending about what, 1200 a month, about a thousand or 1200 a month. And, um, I don't think I should be spending that much money in an apartment in Mexico. I think I'm overpaying, but I'm overpaying because of the amenities at the moment, because it has a gym in the building, it has a rooftop pool, and it has our own private rooftop as well, and I, I really value those things. However, I could get a bedroom here for $400 a month. And so, yeah. like, you know, so if you're not making 70 k maybe you're making... 40k or something like I think it's still doable I just think it looks different for different people but the biggest expense is probably housing along the way and it's really in your control you can decide do you want to rent a bedroom somewhere do you want to do a long-term hostel do you want to get a bougie Airbnb you know on the ocean side like that's going to cost more money so I think it can vary yeah I I definitely feel like uh, so I um I mean, my whole plan before COVID actually hit was to go with my friend Sam and travel multiple places. Um, not a part of remote year, for, but for like the first two months, we or actually most of the time we were with remote year, but just doing it on our own. And I started realizing there's the average that I think I would spend monthly was just because we were looking for those type of places would be 1,000 to 1,500 per person. And, but you could have really good months where you're only paying 800 or you could be really having really bad months and the cheapest option you could find is 1800 or 1500 and it's just like well fuck <laughs> it kind of balances out because it averages out but uh, I would uh, the thing that interests me is I want to do a complete year out and see what the average price is because if the average price for me traveling uh to different places where whether i'm there for a month or three months is better than living in la for a single bedroom that's two grand each i would always choose traveling because that's just so much better yeah i mean i think there's a few factors your family and friends are in la like obviously you have friends on the road as well but it's not like obviously travel is quote unquote the clear choice but there's other factors to consider for nomading which is the friends and family and things like that factor but I also think when you're flying by the seat of your pants you're probably going to pay more and that's the issue I'm kind of running into now like I wasn't sure what my next month was going to be type of thing and so you know you kind of pay more well again COVID's a little different like there's not as many travelers so you have a little bit more pick but let's say in the average world like the more you wait on it the more it's going to get booked up so you have less options and I, so it could go up. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Well, I guess the places I've been looking for, it hasn't... I mean, it got affected, but not insanely infected. Like, uh, like when I, we were, I was looking at places here, it seemed there was limited a number of places that are actually, like, I would want to live in. Um, and that's kind of the same way when I came during remote year and I was looking for places. It was kind of the same amount of... Uh, apartments. It wasn't so open, I think. You get me? 
No. Like, there was, <laughs> there was, I, I think there was the same amount of availability for apartments. But that might be because people are coming here for a vacation and then going back. Yeah, I guess my point is the, like, the more you wait or the amount, the less amount of time or whatever I'm trying to say here in actual English, like, the more last minute you book, there's going to be less options typically. Yeah. There's less plane or less seats on the plane. There are less hotel rooms because like people typically plan out their trips. So as a nomad or somebody that's flying by the seat of their pants, you might have a little bit lesser pick because some of it's gonna already be picked over. Yeah, that's okay. what I'm saying. That, I get that. Which sometimes it can result in your favor, yeah. right? So like, um, if I'm trying to find an apartment and I need it in three days or in a week and nobody has booked it and Maybe I ask for a discount because I'm pretty known for asking for discounts and like trying to conserve the money I do have. And the guy is like, well, no one's booked it yet. And you're trying to book it for an entire month. And although you're asking for like a cheaper price than my current monthly, like maybe something better than nothing. And then, you know, then the guy renting it has to decide, is that worth it? And so sometimes you can get like bigger discounts that way too. But ultimately I think like last minute travelers are going to spend a little bit more money. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's definitely given, and it's kind of, I don't know, I, it's hard. I think they, there can be sweet moments, because I've, I've also, yeah, kind of same boat, like, people are like, okay, we need it, like, just get it, or, or, for example, when we were going in Colorado, the guy was all like, I'm going bankrupt, you can have it. Yeah, <laughs> I do, again, that's COVID, though, I don't yeah. think it's, I don't. COVID was a certain special circumstance, and that's why I got both my apartments here really cheap, I think, or relatively cheap than yeah. what they typically rent them out for. And we, you know, we stayed in an Airbnb in Breckenridge. It was originally, like, supposed to be, like, 12 or 15 grand for the entire month, and we got it down to 3500 But, again, that would never happen in a non-COVID world. It, yeah. Like, because people are going to book every weekend or, you know, the week, and he's going to make bank. So, again, I just don't think that's typical of, like, travel outside a remote year. Although I can't say, because I haven't done full-time travel outside of remote year and outside of COVID. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I, what I've also found out, when I was in um, San Diego and Arizona, uh, we were looking for the next places to stay. So a lot of the places, especially in America, have uh, property managers having the post. So it's because 90% of the time when you're sending, oh, can we have a discount to property managers? They're going to be like, no, (laughs) we need a cut of that. So um, I actually go directly to their site and then email them and they give us totally different prices because they're not going through Airbnb or anything like that. Mm then I might say, oh, what about if we're doing a month or two months? And they're like, yeah, we could go lower. And I'm just like, wow. <laughs> yeah. It's much different. Yeah. So I think what Andrew's saying, too, is like when we, we typically look for places on Airbnb, we start there. And then instead of just like accepting the month price at face value or even the week price, like I got a discount on a five-day stay in Utah. Um, I just message the uh, host and ask them if they can go lower. And typically what I do is like, hey, I'm going to be here for this amount of time to this amount of time. And 
I can only pay this amount. So I give them basically my max number. Of course, that's not my true max. It's like my 80% max. So that way, if they like negotiate with me, I have a little bit of wiggle room. Um, but I, I've gotten multiple, multiple discounts that way. And I did have one place in Utah write back and say, you know, we can't give you an Airbnb discount, but go to this website, which is where they rented their properties from their own website. And then they gave me like a 20% discount code to use on their website. And so it actually got the price down to pretty much where I wanted it to be because Airbnb fees are huge. Um, I've also paid, you know, people in Venmo, people in cash, different things like that. I took a risk on this current apartment in Mexico. I stayed in an Airbnb from this owner um, like two years ago. And so I found his profile in Airbnb and I messaged him like, hey, I stayed in your Airbnb two years ago. Like I met him, him and his wife were super chill and I trusted them. And so I was like, I'd like to rent from you again, but I want to take it off Airbnb. And he was like, cool. And so I just paid him cash. And so like, would I do that with just like a complete stranger in Mexico? Probably not. But I think until you get burned, like you're not going to stop, right? Yeah. A shoplifter doesn't stop until they fucking get caught. So <laughs> like, and so I took a risk and I gave this guy like a couple thousand dollars and um, it, it's worked out. And I, I've stayed here for three months or two months, I guess. No, three. Wow. Three, three. Um, February, March and April I've stayed. So yeah, it's worked out, but I guess I think somebody's gonna get burned eventually. So like, will I always pay in cash to like a rando dude? Probably not. Like in the U.S., like we've had a couple people write us like actual short-term lease agreements, and like that feels safe. Yeah, and I think that's definitely the route I would suggest if you go out. I mean, well, if you're in the states, I think I, I don't know most countries, but I highly doubt they care if you have a lease. Agreement. No, we and we asked our first Airbnb here in Mexico to write us something, and. I was just like, I don't even know if this is legal. Like, we don't even know if this would stand in anything. And so it was kind of just silly. We ended, we ended up going through Airbnb ultimately, um, which cost us both a little bit more money because, again, the fees are crazy. And ultimately, I wanted him to eat all the fees. And then my friends got soft. And they're like, well, we're already getting such a big discount. And I'm like, he's getting so much money off us right now. Like... <laughs> Yeah, so, anyways, stick to your guns. Yeah, uh, especially, <laughs> I think it's crazy also, uh, I, I guess they're making money. I mean, they're making a good amount of money because, like, me just looking at the costs of places here is not equivalent to what we're paying monthly, and it's like they're making double, maybe a little bit more than that. I yeah. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. I will say I made a if you guys are curious about actually how to do this and get a discount um, on my YouTube on my YouTube channel not your father's finance um, Andrew can put it in the show notes but I made a video about how to specifically negotiate with Airbnb and like the scripts I've used Um, the video might get taken down eventually because I accidentally put some like people's names in it that I should have maybe blurred out but um, I had some owners write back to me that were actually kind of mad about it. And they're like, yeah, everyone's trying to ask for a discount. And like, I can't even feed my family, which is like obviously horrible. But ultimately, like they don't have to give you a discount. So like they were coming at me hot and I'm like, dude, I respect you. Say no. Like, don't accept it then, yeah. you know. And But and they were like coming at me hot. And I was like. <laughs> also, like what? Like what? Like you don't have to lower. I guess if they really need the money. But then on top of that, you have. An, an asset you have a house or something that you're 
you're using for money and if it's not making money and you need money sell the asset it's like yeah okay I, I, you're just coming at them with a proposition or an offer they yeah it's that third problem it's a negotiation tactic yeah. <laughs> i've realized you can negotiate like almost anything in life and i know a lot of people know that but like my ex used to work at a retail store and most retail stores like have the prices on the items and people would come in there shit you not be like I'll give you you know 30 bucks for these Nikes and they're like well the price is 50 (laughs) he's like yeah but I'll give you 30 and straight up they can like ask their boss and sometimes the bosses will say yes I'm using Nikes as an example which is probably a horrible example this is more like (laughs) this is worse (laughs) it was guns (laughs) so like people would come in are you serious yeah because like um you know they'd be like i don't know let's say this gun's like two thousand dollars and they'll be like well i'll give you 1700 for it right now and sometimes they would do that like the manager would be like yeah we'll take that deal was it like uh like a family-owned gun store or something? No, it's it's a chain. What? I mean, I think it's a family-owned. It's like, um, like, do I want to say it? Is there? It's 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 called Shields. Like, yeah. it's a pretty big sporting goods store. It's kind of like it's not quite a Cabela's, but it's something like that, right? So it's like in Nebraska and Iowa and Colorado and Texas. I think they expanded to. What? It originated in South Dakota. That, I mean, I understand because. Also, I have clients in the e-commerce business, and the original price is not is the price that they're getting maximum profit. It's not like that's the, why you have discounts. That's why you have 20 percent, yeah, thirty percent. Um, fuck, even like Black Friday, they might not be making a fuck ton per sale, but if they're selling like th- three times as much. They're, they're, get, they're getting a lot of money. They're still making the money, yeah. yeah. So maybe, like, on this, like, particular example, like, I don't, they probably won't discount, like, their super hot item that they know they're going to get full value for, but, like, maybe this, like, rando gun. Because they did have, like, a collection of, like, um, I don't want to say, um, this is totally swerve. We'll get off this, like, tangent. But, like, specialty guns are, like, you know, like, everyone had like, cars, right? There's certain models and kinds in this. Like, same thing with guns. And so you could, you know, people would trade their guns in or they would um, sell them to this company and then they could buy something else. So, like, I think they would, like, this, yeah. But, like, on, I never knew you could do that in a store. I guess yeah. this is going to the negotiation tactic. Is like, if these people came into the store negotiating and sometimes the manager was like, yeah, we'll give it to them. And I'm like, what? Uh, I don't think I would really do that, but maybe I'll try it sometime for, like, science. So, <laughs> the weird thing is that, um, so the only thing I ever negotiated before, like, remote year was my salary. And even then I was like, um, but I think I deserve, like, this much, 90000 They're all like, no, we're only going to pay 70000 I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then, um, then remote year happened. I don't know how. I just saw people, uh, like haggling for like 50 cents in bangkok for like or not bangkok but thailand for like a taxi they're all like no 50 baht or something whatever the conversion rate was yeah and then i was just like and i was like fuck it i'm gonna try it and it was just so thrilling but then me realizing that it was 50 cents for me and probably half a day work yeah i'm just like i'm an asshole but also it gave me this like feeling of like okay, I can do this everywhere else. Yeah. Just like... I think, too, and maybe this episode is just going to be a negotiation, so I think we're going to continue down this 
path because I'm into it. Um, but I think too, like, you know, the little kid coming up to me selling a bracelet and I'm just like so annoyed that their parent is using them to like pull at the heartstrings to get my money. But ultimately, like, if you're hungry, I will feed you. Like, I think that's the shitty thing about it. Um, but if you're trying to blatantly rip me off, I'm not here for that. So uh, Andrew and I took a taxi the other day and I wanted to pay um, 50 pesos max, which is like, <laughs> it's only like 250, $2.50. Yeah. And the guy, did he tell, I think he ultimately said 200 and we, um, I think you said yes, basically. It was with well, me, you, and Kelsey going no, to... It was just me and you. Oh. Uh, we were going to... To Alyssa's. Yeah. And it was, it was so, it's very confusing because I don't know if he was trying to rip us off or not. No, he was. Like... But, like, so the thing that was confusing me is... No, sorry, paper, not or... not that situation. It was a different oh, situation. Okay, so basically, okay, so basically he wanted me to pay $10 for the taxi ride when really it was a $2.50 ride. And somebody agreed, and I'm sitting in the car, and as I'm sitting in the car, I'm getting, like, more and more angry about this taxi ride. Like, I know it's $10 split by three people. I remember now it was, like, Kelsey, me, and Jill. And I was just getting angry because... Ultimately, it should have been two fifty, and he ripped us off for ten dollars. And like, whoever agreed, we're in the car. But like, I was like, I just went on a half a half an hour ride that weekend before for fifteen dollars, and he's taking us ten minutes and getting ten. And I was instantly pissed off, and so I was like, hell no, like I'm not being taken advantage of again. And so um, every other taxi ride I took out to that place, I was getting for like. I would do 40 and most people would do 40 and then like some guy said 50 and I was like, fine, I, I will, I will give you the 50 cents extra. Um, but I think it's, yeah. So like Bangkok, if it's 50 cents, you know what? Sometimes I'm just like, cool, I will accept this dollar bracelet or whatever it is, even though, you know, I probably could have haggled with you and got it down to 30 cents. Like that neither here nor there for me. And sometimes you do negotiate to like practice your skills and practice staying in the game, you know, like throw up your hands. You're like, that's it. I'm done. I'm not even going to buy it at all. And they're like, whoa, 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 we'll come down now. We'll come down. And I just, yeah, it's a thrill. Yeah. I, I think the maybe this is just because, I don't know, uh, just the mindset I have. Yeah. There's sometimes where I'm just like, uh, no, I don't want to deal with this or I just haggle. And then there's sometimes like, it just comes up and I'm like, do they need it more? Should I feel bad for them? And then I'm just like, I spent more money than I am supposed to. Like, for example, we have a hammock. That hammock was $30. I should not have spent $30 on that hammock. <laughs> but I also felt bad for him. And I really wanted to use that hammock. And we have not used that hammock. Yeah. <laughs> that should have been like a, we'll come back later if we can execute a hammock yeah. in this current location and instead of just a purchase. Sober. I was not drinking or <laughs> I'm very mad at myself. Yeah. Somebody will enjoy that hammock someday. <laughs> someday. Maybe. <laughs> but it was kind of funny because I was looking at something else negotiating the other day and um, I... I, or maybe I just got served an ad and I was getting on a YouTube video and I got served an ad. There's a master class about negotiation. Yeah, I have it. You want it? Well, I have Sam's. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I text Sam and I was like, hey, have you uh, taken this master class? He's like, no, are you going to take it? I'm like, yeah, I think I kind of want to. Because this guy was like, you know, the master class 
ads are fantastic. Like those things suck you in. Double done masterclass. Uh, I don't know. There's some that I'm just like, I hate this. Oh, everyone for me, I'm just like, uh-huh. Yep. Like the <laughs> Natalie Portman acting. I'm like, yes, I'm there. And then I watched one. I was like, why would I care about this? Like, it's like, I'm never going to use acting. Yeah. Um, but unless somebody wants to put me in a movie, because if so, hit me up. But um, so, yeah, it was just like every day you have about five to seven negotiations. Like, should you cross the street now? Who's going to, you know, when you're playing chicken and somebody walking down the street, like who's going to swerve? And like, I don't know. That was like the ad. And I'm like, I'm into this. What else can we negotiate in life? <laughs> negotiate your happiness. Just kidding. <laughs> Happiness um, isn't up for negotiation. I wish you could negotiate flight prices. That would be great. Yeah. Imagine. Like, hey, I'll take that middle seat all the way in the back for $50. <laughs> all the way to, like, LA, LA to, like, London. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Well, I'm pretty sure somebody in your group, but I won't, like, try to name names in case this is, like, not supposed to be said. But um somebody got a crappy room and they're like yo I'll pay you for that room I know exactly who it is but I won't say and the guy was like no it's my turn to have like the master room and then the guy's like I'll give you two hundred dollars and then the guy was like no and he went up to like five hundred dollars just to trade him bedrooms in this apartment and ultimately the guy like stuck to his guns and he was like nah like you get the shitty room and I think the guy ended up moving out and getting a different place I think he went all the way up to it thousand and so like i would have been so down for that because at that point that's half your um remote year bill okay that was the other thing i actually wanted to talk about is anybody out there listening to this that wants to be a nomad or wants to do remote year that's another thing you can negotiate so your fee on the on your down payment this this pisses me off (laughs) i didn't know about this and i am so angry oh uh your down payment can be negotiated however i will say again Things have changed since COVID and like Selena acquired remote year. So who knows what their policies are now. And like every program they're putting out is selling out. So they probably aren't going to do any negotiations right now. But we were able to negotiate um, our down payment. So the down payment was five grand. Um, I think it still is. But um, I joined two months before the program left and they wanted to fill a couple extra seats. So they actually offered me, they told me it was discounted at, I got three grand, so I got two grand off. Um, but yeah, a lot of other people negotiated theirs down, so something to consider if you're trying to do remote year. Yeah, and we talked about remote year on this podcast, right? Um, I can't imagine we haven't. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's a traveling program for remote workers. Um, there's a four-month, 12-month, and one-month still? It's Is one, four, six, 12. One, four, six, 12. Okay. Or it used well, to I be. No, they did six. Did they just add that? Or? That was before COVID. Oh. Huh. Again, I don't really, I haven't like looked at stuff since COVID, so. Yeah. And you pay a fat rate and they basically deal with your accommodation, your transportation, your workspace and. Activities, city activities. team, et cetera. Yeah. Quite um, a few things. It's pretty good, especially if you have that type of money or you're living in an expensive city. It's a great way to get out there, especially if. All the new remote workers. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of expensive now. I mean, I don't know. For an Iowa girl, it was expensive. It's $2,000 a month. And now they've jacked it up to 2300 a month. Um, so it is a really cool program. Highly recommended to anybody. It was 
even worth it just as far as like meeting people and the connections I've made and the network I've grown through it. Um, that alone was worth it. But it is a little bit of a investment, but really not so much if you're from like California or New York or like any big coastal towns. But if you're from the Midwest, it was a little expensive. Yeah. And um, I was jobless, so. <laughs> and I uh, wouldn't say thread lightly, but it is, there's, you'll have a lot of fun. There might be drama. <laughs> there might not. It's, it's, I feel like it's a better version of college. <laughs> Slightly. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. That's fair. Okay. Apart from financial and I guess traveling, what, what made you choose like wanting to be a digital nomad? Like, is, uh, is there specific like countries that you want to travel or is it more like you're free flowing? And... Um, I've always kind of been like, I don't know, quote unquote wild at heart. I don't know. That's kind of really yeah. lame. I mean, you went, you were, you went to school in London, right? England, uh, yeah. Birmingham, but okay. yeah, yeah. So, um, I backpacked Europe when I was 20, which just sounds fucking insane coming out of my mouth now at 28. <laughs> like I remember after I got back after a couple years, I let it like sink in. I was like, if I have a kid, they're never doing that. That was scary as hell. <laughs> um, just kidding. I probably would let my child do that. Cause but it's also like world experience is good. Yeah, it's growth experience. No, it was great. It was great. I mean, like I had the time of my life. I think I about killed my parents about scaredness, but um, no, a hundred percent recommend. I got into it because my family. I grew up traveling quite a bit um, within the U.S. Not too much internationally. I've been to like Mexico and Canada, but nowhere else. And then. Um, yeah, I backpacked Europe and I lived in Europe when I was 20. I lived there for five months. And then during that, I backpacked, um, to 10 countries. So I went to 15 countries total within five months, um, at 20, which was cool. And so I've always, and so actually it was from living in England. I, uh, there was some guy I was still Facebook friends with, and he posted this video that he went to Asia for nine months after he graduated college. And I'm like, who the fuck goes to Asia for nine months? How can you afford that? Who paid for that? How did you do that? And I was like so envious. And it just like got my wheels turning. And so um, I saw this video when I was in grad school. I finished grad school. And I promised myself in grad school because I didn't like grad school. I'm a speech language pathologist. And I was just like, that's not for me. And so I promised myself in grad school that I would work a year-ish and save up as much money as I could and then go blow it on with traveling. You can hear this whole story on the other podcast about me. I have no idea what the name is, but Andrew can link it. Yeah, um, episode two, I believe. Or three. Three. Um, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but but um, you can hear more of that in-depth story there. Uh, anyways, so that I've always been kind of like a traveler and I always wanted to travel more. And so... As far as digital nomading, I didn't know that was possible for me because I had to completely change careers. And I didn't 100% know if I could do that. Like, yeah. I hoped I could, but I didn't have a plan. So I just hired a rando internet stranger to teach me Instagram. And that landed me my first, like, quote-unquote corporate job. Can you – maybe? okay, we'll call it a startup job. I mean, <laughs> Can yeah, you call a 20-person company a corporate <laughs> job? <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, okay. That's kind of one uh, one topic that I wanted to talk about because you kind of saw me doing a course, like just overall courses and how I think it's not better than school, but I think it, you can learn so much from just online courses and you find the right people. 
of course you might get screwed and you might get a course that actually doesn't help or you learn you know all the stuff or something is just it's just bad course um but i think i learned majority of my past four years from online sources or courses and it's yeah, yeah. I mean, like, my whole transition into marketing has been self-taught, whether that's, like, seeking out information on YouTube or a course or whatever. Um, I probably have spent $2,000-ish on, like, I hired a couple of personal Instagram coaches, and my first one was $1,000. So, like, that was definitely the biggest investment. Um, and then, like, Coursera courses, I signed up for premium for, like, a hot second. So, 50 bucks that month or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, completely kind of self-taught marketing and, um, you know, my f getting hired at one company was great cause it was something to go on. And then I could use that as leverage for any other company. And then, um, I got laid off by that company, rehired by that company. And that really, I feel like now I'm golden. Like I feel very safe. I, I didn't renew my therapist license this year. So I'm like, fully free of it um so if I ever want to go back I have to like pay a bunch of money I have to take courses I have to do all this stuff and like it's just not a passion of mine so I won't be going back um but ultimately I didn't know if I could live the you know quote-unquote digital nomad lifestyle because I didn't have a digital job so but once I could get into that I knew I would continue to live it for quite a while like I hope ultimately like I can find a partner that like you know we can be stationary sometimes or like four months at a time you know in the states or with family or whatever and then like go explore different countries together like I think that'd be ideal um so I don't anticipate stopping the nomading anytime I just imagine it being slower the yeah. month by month hop is extreme it gets very tiring so more like two to four months then sounds yeah. very Especially, unpleasant I, I think the reason why one month seems so good especially for a program like remote here is because you're traveling with a group and you're you don't have to deal with that uh, the like logistics of everything yeah that was easy um you're just like we leave to the airport at seven okay we're on the way yeah <laughs> like i don't even know my next apartment i'm just like can somebody tell me my address and then they're like what's your name and they like know where you live and i'm like thank you yeah. like super handy so yeah, like remote years, a hundred percent worth it. And I think like most people realize that when you leave and you have to plan your own shit, how fucking hard it is. Like it's, it's, it takes up a lot of time and energy. I, so, okay. So I feel like it's easy when I'm me and myself or maybe with one other person, it's a little bit easier to like plan stuff out. Like where do you want to live? Where well, live? yeah. One person will always be easier. Like, like this place. Yeah, book. But then if you have like multiple people then it's hard like are you seriously down to do this like i'm planning planning a vegas trip and like are we doing this are we doing this and then yes no maybe and i'm just like ah <laughs> that, that, then that gets like hard but i don't know i don't see it as hard i kind of go on autopilot now when i'm just like travel day and like go wake up there it's not the travel day that's hard it's the planning so like what I was saying in the very beginning of the episode is what I meant I wasn't talking about FEIE I'm just saying like when you're flying by the seat of your pants it is mentally tiring oh, uh, my yeah. cousin's weddings in October but I don't know where I'll be in October yeah, yeah. so like 
I can't plan a, I, don't, I can't buy a flight. I don't can't buy a flight out of the U.S. into the U.S. I can't plan literally anything because I don't know where I'll physically be in October. So like remote year, the beauty of it was a planned year. So like if we decided we were gonna go to like I don't know, let's say six countries. Um, for two months each and we had exactly a plan for that regardless if we had an Airbnb yet um, that would be fine but it's the not knowing the next few months so you can't plan your friend can't come see you you don't know where you'll be at you can't buy you know buy flights home because you don't know where you'll be at it's those things that were weighing on me so then if it wasn't COVID would you be planning out No, (laughs) unless like a group of people were, right? So like, I think planning it out for myself seems restricting. There's no point in restricting yourself to have to be in Sweden for two months. That sounds so privileged, but like, you know, there's no point in restricting. What if something fun comes up? I'm like, you know, everyone gets that FOMO. It's like, what? A group of people is going to Brazil? Let's go. (laughs) So like, unless I had like we had 10 people, almost like a mini remote year, right? Unless we had a group of people that were like, yeah, like, we like this general um, itinerary, quote unquote, and we're, we're pretty much down to follow that. Yeah. If I had a group of friends that was down to follow somewhat of an itinerary, count me in. But like just me, myself, I'm, no, probably not. Do you think things would change, that, that answer would change if things like flights and houses were like easily refundable or changeable? Yes and no. Again, I just think it's, well, okay, so maybe. I just think it's mentally, it weighs on me to always be like, well, I don't know my next step. I don't know my next step. When should we figure out the next step? You know, it's like, should we plan it two weeks from the time we're flying out to decide where the fuck we're going and buy a plane ticket and buy a house somewhere? Or like, you know, like how far out should you plan? Yeah. Is a month enough? Is two weeks enough? Is one enough? Is it cutting it too close? And like, can you mentally prepare yourself to not know where you'll be in a week and like have no clue what your house will be like, you know, just like anything. Um, again, that's like the beauty of digital nomading too, but it's also like the mental wear on me. So that's why I decided I'm not doing FEIE this year. I I had planned on it. I left the country December 28th and I was planning on being gone the whole year, but I just like didn't know. And I had like family commitments, like my cousin's getting married. My sister-in-law's having a baby, you know, like my parents and my sister are going to freaking wine country in California. Like I want them to pay for my wine trip. So like, (laughs) um, you know, so I wanted to be there and it's like hard to limit your days. And just like, again, if you don't know where you're going to be at, figure out the flights and logistics of it. So I think it's doable a hundred percent, but like ultimately it just didn't make sense for me. It was like, does the 15 or 20 grand that I might bank from FEIE worth it? Or is just like not having the stress and being like, you know, I have a week between this California trip and like EDC and it's okay if I stay in the country. I don't need to like hop to Mexico for five days and then come back. Like that's yeah. stressful too. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. I, it's like I've, I've also been thinking of like what is every person has a different situation in their lives or situations. That's why I don't think it's a complete answer for everyone to be like, I'm going to date your nomad. And it's a very hard choice, especially in the beginning when you're going to do it. I hope my voice cracked. <laughs> in the beginning when you're going to do it. Um, 
do you remember when I guess your first real un- travel I love was um, going to UK um, did you feel anxiety or like scared oh my god <laughs> so my my parents actually came with me <laughs> so I think um, so we left January 3rd 2013 it's so funny I can actually spit that date out um, and my parents had never been to Europe, never been anywhere outside of Canada, Mexico, or, you know, Jamaica. So, like, they had never been to Europe or anything else. And so they were just like, how are we sending our 20-year-old to Europe alone? And so then it was like, we can't do that, but we've never been, so vacation. And so they, like, moved, they like flew with me and then helped me move in, which honestly is so funny looking back because I was – gravely unprepared like in the sense of like you know it was 2013 which I had an iPhone back then (laughs) this is a stupid story but I feel like it's relevant um for some reason it didn't connect to wi-fi but that didn't matter because I had unlimited data at the time so I never knew it didn't connect to wi-fi exactly and I realized it the night before because I was like put it on airplane mode and testing that I could text on my Viber app um, through Wi-Fi. And I read online <laughs> that if you put it in the freezer, um, it actually helps. <laughs> you put the phone in the freezer? So what I put it happened? in the freezer. <laughs> Where did you read this? I don't know. Online. On the internet. Okay. Okay. And it worked. And then it didn't. But then it worked. It was fine, but it still had this internet connectivity issue. So we go to Apple in Birmingham, in the UK, and they were going to give me a new iPhone on spot. And I said no because it was a UK iPhone, right? It wasn't English or, like, American English-based, whatever. And so my parents were like, we'll take it to the US, go to the Apple store there, get you a new iPhone, ship it to you. It never arrived. I, it never arrived. Just like every issue, I don't know. It took months and months and months. It still never arrived. I never received it. So I ended up buying like an OG version. Or no, maybe I bought an iPod Touch. And then my roommate in England jailbroke it so I could download Viber or something. And it didn't really work. It was very buggy. It was it was bad. So yeah. basically didn't have a phone. So that's part of the story is that I just didn't have a phone. But the other part is that I just like didn't print out um, where I find my apartment keys, didn't print out what apartment I was in, like nothing. Like I don't honestly know how I would have found like the campus. I didn't have addresses written down. Like I was just like 100% unprepared, which I actually find I do that now. So like if you're going to take charge in an activity, I will fully hand you the keys and I will be very uninvolved unless you want me to be involved. But if somebody's going to like drive this train – I'm going to just straight up ride it, <laughs> which is a bad trait in ways. No, I mean, I'm good and that, bad. But that's awesome. That was your, that was your, the things that you were supposed to do and you didn't do it. I feel like that's just common 20, 21 year old. Yeah. Stage I was just like, I'm with my parents. If my parents are coming, they'll just handle yeah. it. But like, it's a good thing they did come because like, would I have been prepared? And I think the answer probably is yes. But like. Because they probably would have made sure I was prepared. <laughs> that, or you're just like, oh, I'm going to UK. <laughs> and not thinking, and then you're all just like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think, like, so even now, um, you know, there's a couple people in our group that was, like, super planners that, like, they, when they plan something, they handle everything. And I was just like, honestly, they don't even want help. At least I don't know if they wanted help. So I'd just be like, boop, they're driving. I'm a ride. But 
if I do take control of a situation, I will plan it end to end. I will make sure it's great. But if, again, I can be a leader, and sometimes I want to be, but sometimes other people just, like, really want to be and yeah. are really the alpha pack leader. And I'm like, if you're going that hard, like, yeah. I'm going to let you have it. Like, it. I will gladly ride. Yeah. Um, I always, I don't know, I always want to be the planner, and then I end up being the planner, and I'm like... I fucking hate this. Why do I want to always be the planner? I'm like, I, w- I think I am just so used to doing what I want to do and I just do it by myself or do things and I'm just like, ah, this is great. So I try to get people to be like, hey, you want to come to this festival? Let's do this. And then I'm just like, I have to plan all this. This is bullshit. <laughs> I should have just gotten here alone. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I'm like super extrovert and like, I mean, I can be alone, but I just like having friends around. Um, so I would always like rather plan to like have somebody join me. Yeah. Um. I, I've also like, I think the greatest thing about traveling, um, and I don't know, most listeners or talking to other people, I never really traveled outside of the States or Mexico is the same thing. And, um, Traveling made me realize so much about where I came from, the difference between that and other people. Like just talking to Abby, I'm like, I didn't have a shortage of restaurants. She never had, or she mm. didn't have a restaurant <laughs> in her town. I'm just like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah, we were talking about my super small town in Iowa, and there was something else that you just like. Oh, it's like I said, it's probably about like a. Uh, a mile radius oh, yeah. is the I, town. I, I couldn't even fathom that. And he was like, like, what? Like, I think my town might be like five miles, like my town town, but it's a small town in county, LA County. So it's just like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, there's probably like a mile radius with some houses and stuff. And then like outside of that, it's just a bunch of farmlands and then rando farmhouses here and there. And then it's like eight miles to the next town on either side. So like, Straight up eight miles, you hit another town. Um, I feel like the towns on either side are a little bit wider, so they might be like two or three square miles or radius, but yeah, he, uh, I think it's funny. I, I mean, like, I don't think people can conceptualize super small towns if they're not, like, if they're from LA or even, even my friend from Kansas, she couldn't conceptualize. She's from Topeka, Kansas, and like, it is the biggest town, city, whatever in Kansas, but like Kansas is still very much a lot of farmland. And she came to my town and she was like, what is this place? I can't believe it. And I was just like, wow, like even a Kansas girl, like couldn't fathom where I'm from. So um, if anybody wants a true small town experience, hit me up. (laughs) (laughs) You'll probably get (laughs) me. Oh yeah. Cause then we were talking about like Something that's really interesting for me is uh, meeting diverse people because my town is like 99.3% white, something like that. And um, so Andrew's like, I was like, you have to come. He was like, I don't know. I'm going to be like the only Mexican. I was like, well, yeah, but you should still come. <laughs> you said you got one more Mexican. Well, I remember there was one, at least one Mexican family growing up. I um, I don't know if they still live there. Uh-huh. But again, I... I you know, I think you know the family as well in town when you are in school there. So I'm not sure who it's lives okay. there now. I think if I just don't see the sun for about a month and a half, I'm 
good. I was more tan than you when you got here, so. <laughs> yeah. I was darker. I know, because I was inside for three months. <laughs> Two months? Three. Three months. <laughs> I had a couple Mexicans tell me it looks like I'm starting to belong. <laughs> couple? You have one. Or you have multiple? <laughs> okay, it was one. It was one. <laughs> wow. What? Call out. <laughs> <laughs> you put you down in your face. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's ruder. I see it in your face. He wants to be Mexican. Yeah, he made a Mexican? couple comments about me being Mexican. <laughs> I was like, you trying to date me? <laughs> Weird. He asked if I was trying to get that Mexican passport. Yeah. And I was like, I think I should know some more Spanish. <laughs> and then he's like, or get a Mexican husband. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the shoulder shrug touch thing. And I was like, you trying to fucking get on this? You should be, like, the sex has to be good first. <laughs> See how you Nah, I went into typical Abby mode, which was turn right awkwardly and, like, not know what to do about that situation. <laughs> Zane's like, I was observing the whole thing. I saw him say it. And then Abby turns awkward, shy girl. <laughs> Really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever noticed you turn silently. Yeah, I think like everybody thinks I'm like a super ooper duper super looper duperler uh, <laughs> extrovert, um, and I think I am a, like a lot of the time, but um, I can be really shy, <laughs> especially around dudes. <laughs> really? Yeah. It just depends. Like if I'm really comfortable, like I'm really comfortable around you, so you'll probably never see my shy side. Um, but if like people are like pressuring me to go talk to somebody or like any of that, oh, yeah. I can I get. Think that's just the majority of people though. Yeah, I don't I know. I just five like percent of people that like, oh, you should go talk to. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes I will be that person. Yeah. Like sometimes they're like, I dare to go up there and be like, hey guys, and like. I will do that. More comfortable with like girl groups, yeah. but like if it's like a large group, I don't know. Like I, I can be the life of the party until I'm supposed to be the life of the party type of thing. Like on my birthday, I'm the most shy person you've ever met. Like my mom sent me balloons one day to school for my birthday and I was so embarrassed that I like shoved them under the table so no one could see them. And then one popped and it made more commotion. <laughs> oh my God. And then I told my mom, I was like, and one popped. And she was like, sad that I shoved him under the table and I was like dang it like I'm not trying like it was a good thought it felt good that you thought of me like why it's your birthday I hate my birthday I usually cry on all my birthdays and I usually cry on holidays (laughs) I don't know I don't know it's weird if you ask my family like they're like Abby's birthday she gonna cry I wish I would have knew that before I said a happy birthday you're just getting older or something like that. No, I don't, cr- I don't cry because I'm aging. Okay. No. Yeah, like, that's, I said that as a joke. I'm like, I think I was like, happy birthday, you're getting older than me even more or something like that. Yeah. And then I was just like, aw, what if that actually made her feel bad? Okay, first of all, no, because age is just a number. And like anybody that's like, oh, I don't want to talk about my age. I am 31. Like, I find them crazy because I'm just like, Age is just a number. Like, some of my best friends are 43. And and they act like they're 25. You have no idea how old they are. They're chill. They do whatever the fuck they want. So, like, age is a number. And if that bothers you, it's a you issue. And I don't want to hear about it. (laughs) So, no, no, I don't cry because I don't know. I don't know why I cry. I just get depressed a little bit. And then, like, I think it's because, like, people, and maybe this is a social media issue. Like, people um, 
love their birthday, right? A lot of people are like, it's my birthday. Everybody look at me because it's my birthday. And I can do that like every other day yeah. besides my birthday. Okay. And so um, like if the attention is supposed to be on me, that's why like I can't really imagine having a wedding because I think I'll be awkward as fuck. Like and, unless it's like, I don't know, maybe I have like a tiny wedding with like my best friends and it doesn't matter. But like I, I am awkward when I'm supposed to be the center of attention. Yeah. As far as the crying, I have no idea. I think it's, like, people are supposed to enjoy their birthdays, and then, like, I don't. Or, like, maybe in my head, like, I expect, I I get my hopes up, maybe, for something, and then that doesn't happen. Or, like, I'm like, okay, try to be normal this year. Maybe something special will happen. Like, it's not like, and I don't even want anything special to happen. Like, I had a great birthday last year. I got up. We went to my aunt and uncle's for quote-unquote coffee. I started drinking vodka at 10. My friend had to drive me home at 3 or 4. I was so fucked up, blacked out. My sister-in-law has to go home, has to exit the party, like family dinner, aka family dinner at my house because she's so fucked up. <laughs> we just drank a whole bottle of vodka and like danced into shit. Great birthday. I, I think I, I have the opposite of that because my birthday is October 28th it's right before Halloween mm. like my birthday has ever and also I share a birthday with my oldest brother we're both same birthday oh I didn't know that years, yeah. huh we're like 30 years no <laughs> Jesus Christ he's not 30 he's like 42 or something he's like 20 like 18 18 years apart but Different, same day, different birthdays. And his daughter is the next day after us. Dang. Yeah, I was like, damn, we could have had a triple birthday. That would have been crazy. <laughs> yeah. um, but it, because of all of that, like, I I don't think I get all the attention because we're kind of split and because it's Halloween. So people are like, what's the Halloween party this, uh, this year, Andrew? I'm like, we're going to have a ranger or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and I think <laughs> that's, like, fun to correlate your birthday with that. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's, like, I've always wanted to have, like, try to be the person that's like, let's have this big bang, but then, like, I just don't want to plan it. Or I don't, I don't yeah. honestly know what it is. I'm from a small town. There's not much to do, like – you can go to the townie bar that you don't want to go to, or, you know, I don't know. Yeah. That I'm just sense. fucking well, weird. house party, no? Or no? I mean, I guess you do have Yeah, no, we have, ha- yeah, party. yeah. So, like, my family yeah. parties, and, um, like, on remote year, my friend Abby threw me a surprise party. I was so shocked. Like, I had no idea. We're, like... She's like, hey, I just want to go to dinner, just you and I. And that, like, gave me anxiety because I'm like, oh, my God. What if other people in Polaris see us and they're like, hey, can we go to dinner? And we had to be like, no. And I, like, they hurt my soul not to invite more people type of thing. Like, I was like, I'm into it. But, like, what if people see us? Like, what are we going to tell them? You can't come. I don't know. So I was weird about it. Yeah. So she comes and picks me up in my apartment. We walk to this, like, pizza restaurant. And then as we're pulling up on our legs, we're walking <laughs> As we, as we roll up, I look over and I see somebody from our group and I was like, oh my God, somebody's here. Like, this is awkward. Like, I don't know why I was being fucking weird about it. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, there's a Polaris party happening. Holy shit. Like, what's happening, Abby? Like, something's happening. And she was like, yeah. And she was like, give me the eye and like the smile. And then all of a sudden they started singing happy birthday. And I'm like, what? And I was like, is this for me? And like, I was like... I was blown away. Like, it was, I don't know. Like, 
she got me so good and it's a good thing she got me good well and then I pulled up and I was like awkward as heck and I was like you guys came out for me like why would you do that this is awkward <laughs> and then I got over it and it was like very kind but it's a good ass thing that she like surprised me because I think again I would just been super weird and like instead of stressing about a whole party for me I just had to like be awkward for like three to five minutes and then I got over it did you cry that night I don't think so so, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I actually haven't cried on, like, I don't think I cried at my last birthday, my last two birthdays. So there could have been a little bit of a theme I picked out. Um, I was, I, maybe, was it attached to my ex at all? I don't oh, know. Let's talk about it. I don't know. Like, um, I feel like a couple, like, I... Well, I started this like crying thing. This is going so off topic. Yes, oh my god! I, I the so I started crying <laughs> December twenty fifth, two thousand twelve. So this is the Christmas before I leave for England, and so I'm just kind of emotional that whole winter because I'm leaving. It's the longest I've ever left my family five months, and. Um, I was leaving January 3rd, so it was just, like, really fresh. And so I think my parents, um, it was either that Christmas, maybe it was the Christmas before, but they gave me these headphones, and they were, like, $150. And I was, like, immediately upset that they spent $150 on headphones for me. And I was just, like, I couldn't stop crying. And my mom's, like, why are you crying? And she's, like, are you, like, mad? Like, you're mad? And I was, like, no, like, I just don't know why you bought me like $150 headphones like that was really nice but like I don't need $150 headphones like and she's like I wanted to give you nice headphones so like please accept <laughs> and I'm crying so that was the first Christmas and I was like okay Abby cried and then the next Christmas I cried because I was leaving for England and then the next Christmas I probably cried about something because I don't know so like I've and the so my family's like Christmas Abby might cry Abby's birthday she's probably gonna cry so do you like the gift giving though, or no? Um, like, do I like receiving? Yeah. Um, like, or, I, I don't think I feel bad for receiving. I, I think it was just like at the time, like a hundred fifty dollar headphone sounded like insane, oh, okay. right? Like, yeah. I don't know. They pro obviously they existed in the world, but like it was like before Beats and yeah. before like shit like that. Before things actually started getting expensive. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like, what? What? what yeah. My headphones before that had been like the five dollar Walmart headphones. Yeah. So I'm like, why would you ever spend this much money? And so I think I was just like, what? So I'm just like, I guess the lesson of this story, besides that I cry at my birthday and Christmas, is that um, I'm actually really weird about prices of things. So. I can get uncomfortable about that. I think I'm probably way better now, but as a child, and I know I'm not that big of a child in like college, but like um, I have always been very, very concerned with money, my finances, my parents' finances. I've been always concerned what they can and can't afford, which is just like crazy considering we have it better than a lot of other people out there. But like, it's always been a concern of mine. Do you think that? Is that like from fear of being poor or fear of like what or like what do you think that stems from? It's a good question. I think like partly I'm just like really grateful for their generosity. Um, so I I just I lived a very privileged life I think, and so um, you know I if I needed a new softball glove I got the glove, and if I needed if I wanted to go to this mall with my friend you know they'd throw me 40 bucks or something I don't know but like even with your own finances like why why do you think 
Why am I so that, concerned with it all the time? Yeah. I don't know, but it's, it consumes my thoughts always. Yeah, like I, I don't feel know. like that would be very stressful. Yeah. A lot. Like it's I, I think it's a little bit better now, but like a couple months ago I was just like, you know, at a 70k salary, like I'm not hurting. And the thing is, it's funny because it's like I don't even live paid to paycheck to paycheck. Like I invest half my money. So I live on half my paycheck. So like I'm plenty comfortable. Like half of it's going into investments, whatever. Um yeah, I have like about a third going into investments, and then the other part is like in my savings account, and then the other part is I live on. So, um, plenty comfortable. I don't know. I just feel like it's a good question. That's, I, maybe I should hire a therapist. I honestly have thought about like I've thought about hiring a therapist and being like yeah. I don't even, but I don't so, even know where I'd start to talk about it. Like obviously, I probably have issues somewhere, but yeah. like <laughs> after remote year, I did. Uh, I went to a therapist, or well, did online therapy. And kind of, yeah, that's what I found out about me. I was the same way. I still kind of am the same way. I look at Bitcoin all the time because of well, just like <laughs> looking at that. But um, but it came, uh, what I came to terms with, it came from me actually being scared of ever being poor again. Mm-hmm. Like losing the house or something. Yeah, and like, like, I wouldn't say we're dirt poor, but... And that makes sense. Like, I understand that. Like, you've ha- you've had a rough go. And, like, I haven't had that. So, I don't, I don't know. I think it probably stems from, like, overhearing conversations from my parents and being, like, we can't afford that. And, like, me taking it, like, super fucking literal. Yeah. And I was, like, uh, was it you that were saying it? I think there was a, I forgot who was saying it. But, uh, basically, that, um... The damage that it, it does to kids, kind of like that, or not damage, but psychologically, um, when parents say they can't afford it, but they can, but they're more meaning we shouldn't be buying that yeah. with that, our money that we do have, yeah. because we do have limited amount of money yeah. or something. And like, the restructure of words has to be more sensitive, especially around little kids or people growing up, because they think, oh... Okay, then I can't just buy this. Yeah, and I think I act. Wow. So I actually um, take that motto into my own life, and so I constantly catch myself—not constantly, because I'm actually really uh, conscious of it. But sometimes I'll be like, "You're like, yo, Abby, you want to go? I don't know, to Cozumel?" And I'm like, "Nah, I can't afford it." And ultimately, I can afford almost anything I want. Okay, that sounds extreme. I'm not gonna buy cars and all that crazy shit, but like little touristy things and dinners and stuff like that i can afford it do i want to spend my money on it no and so and it adds up yeah of course of course and like that's ultimately why i don't and like i just don't need to spend my hundred dollars on a hundred dollar meal if my dad's like let's go eat steak i'm buying i'm like dope i'm in (laughs) but like there's no point in my life where i'm like let's spend a hundred dollars on steak like nah and so i and if i'm like hey i don't want to go i can't afford it I instantly is like, okay, I can't afford it. I just don't want to spend my money on that. And so I think it's really important. I'm really big on like your subconscious. And so um, if you read the book, um, Think and Grow Rich, it actually comes from like hundreds of years ago when, um, who wrote this book? I can't remember. I I listened to it like five years ago, but um, it started me on a huge financial journey, but it's like really like training your subconscious to like know you'll have money. So like, I know I will be a millionaire. Like, I know I have plenty of money. I know I'm going to retire early. I know I'm going to be successful. Like, 
I don't know why I know it, but I do, and I feel it in my bones, I feel it in my heart, and I know that, and I feel like that helps propel me through life, and saying things like, I can't afford that, is bad for your subconscious, because that can start to, like, soak in, so it's like, I can afford it, I just don't want to, and I think that's a great lesson to, like, for everyone to learn, and, like, have that carry over to your kids, like, it's not that we can't afford the Pop-Tarts, which is what I think I was referencing, like, I wanted Pop-Tarts growing up, and my mom was like, no <laughs> and like whether she can't said we can't afford it or whether I ever heard her and my dad like arguing about something or like discussing something and saying they can't afford it I don't know yeah. but I think it's a good lesson for everybody but just have like say good things to yourself you know if you say you're a fat piece of shit all the time like you're gonna start to believe it and then like good stuff doesn't stem from that say good things that are I wouldn't say reasonable but that are not lies because there's also people that go into like, oh, I swiped this credit card. I could pay this off and they can't really pay it off. And they're just like... Yeah, I mean, like, that's crazy. Yeah. And like, I I used to be pretty big on like positive affirmations. And so I kind of quit when remote year happened because like I didn't want anybody to overhear me. But there was a time in my life when I looked in the mirror and I like looked into my eyes and I was like, <laughs> um, like, I am successful. I am strong. I am worth it. You know, these like nice statements, um, which I think, again, like does good things for your subconscious. Although I read a book that was like, we shouldn't be doing these positive affirmations because we have to tell ourselves that that means we deep, we don't believe it deep down. So like, I feel like kind of conflicted on that now. Um, I'll have to, I can't remember what book that was. I read it in Japan. The the thing that I've always done because of finance and just like tech and stuff. I've realized everything in life are just cycles. So like whether you have your ups and downs. So when I'm really fucking down I'm, or like giving myself shit, I'm like, this is just a low point. It's going to be like 10 times better when I get out of this. I don't know why I'm like, it's not that bad. <laughs> like, I don't think, I, I think we put in our heads that everything that's happening currently, or not everything, things that may be happening currently are is like the end of our lives or like, we put it into a pedestal that's like, oh my god! But then after you you look at it and like that was not that bad. Mm-hmm. Like what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. Um, and everything gets better. Yeah, I I've definitely been in that hole of like um, depressive states, uh, and like the negative self talk that just like, why are you depressed? Like you're a very privileged person. You have nothing to be depressed about, which makes me even more depressed because I, I shouldn't be depressed. True. I, I, I don't, I, I, I hate when people say that, like, even the richest people, even fucking, what's his name, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, have, probably has his worst days, they just have different problems, it's, I yeah, but I'm just saying, like, when I'm down, the self-talk, like, is really bad, and it pushes yeah. you further down, yeah. um, but you're right, it, like, things are gonna get better, like, it's a cycle, it goes around, but, like, I guess for some of us, some people like have clinical depression and yeah. need further help for that. I feel like mine's just been like depressional bouts or like maybe seasonal depression. Does weather affect your mood a lot? I feel like it affects my mood a lot. Um, I don't know. I feel like I've been in sunny Mexico too long to probably answer that <laughs> question. <laughs> if it rains, I'm like, cool. Don't have to go outside. I, I, went, <laughs> I went to Seattle for like a week with my friends. I was like, can't do this. I can't do this for a month. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, winter in Iowa is, like, pretty dreary. Yeah. Like, 
it's dark, it's cold, it's icy, it's windy, it's snowy, it's bleh. Maybe it would be different if I had like a significant other and like, let's cuddle. <laughs> let's make some fucking babies. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, all right, in that note, I'm starting to get weird. So thank you all for listening. Um, <laughs> I'll put links that to, uh, I got some comments from friends that I should put links on things that we explained. So I always say, Andrew will put it in the show notes. Yeah, I don't, I don't edit that. this, so I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> he'll hear this note and remind yeah. him to put it in. So uh, this time I kind of took notes, um, mostly mental, but I'll write them down right now. And I'll put them down there. So. And like social medias yeah. and like cool shit like that. Yeah. Or, or is that cool? I don't know. Please follow me on social media. It's that guy, Andrew, with two T's. On the end of that, <laughs> and he'll link it in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's about it. Talk to you guys later. I hope we do another podcast real soon. Um, but we have busy lives, so yeah, we'll see. Thanks for listening to this ramble of like what started out to be a travel podcast to just really be in a therapy session. So and if you still get to the end, like no, wow, negotiation therapy. Yeah, that's so that's gonna be the title of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Done. This podcast is supposed to be for fun to, to teach things. Or, oh. Conversation isn't linear. Yeah. Great. Love your faces. Peace out. <laughs>